0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m., where we discuss and dissect the supernatural.
2: What's the scariest thing you've encountered? Dude, have you guys watched Love on the Spectrum?
1: <laughs>
3: yes, I have. <laughs>
1: I watch that every day in my relationship. <laughs> Hi, my name's Michael, and I'm looking for a
2: perfect woman. Uh, I had to stop watching it because after several episodes, I was legit thinking autistically. Like everything I was doing, I was like speaking like an autistic Australian. In my head. <laughs> guys, this is the 3M Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. We're a horror comedy podcast.
3: We're a horror comedy podcast.
2: Apparently. <laughs> How have you guys been?
3: Oh, not too bad, you know. Just enjoying my spooky season so far.
2: Any fun updates in your lives?
3: Uh, Fun updates. Or anything? Yo, know, I've just been like binging scary movies every day. I think I've watched like ten already, and they're always just like the worst ones,
2: like slashers <laughs> and trashy ones. So, dude, tis the season. Tis the reason for the season. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm enjoying it. Uh, there's been a ton of new shows out. And some fun was ones.
3: Just telling us about one on Netflix too. I'm going to tell you about a couple. Okay, go for it.
2: Hulu. Okay. Only murders in the building.
3: Oh, I do want to watch that.
2: Have either of you started it? No. I'm
1: almost done. I have two more episodes <gasps> left. What Wait, you, you got
3: Hulu?
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: We've always had Hulu. Oh, not down on the one down here. Oh. It's gone. Just ask me for the password, dude. Oh, gross. I thought that you were done with it. Go ahead. No. Don't Uh, ruin
1: anything, but how is it? I'm kind of bored. (gasps) I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) We can like different things. Yeah. yeah. Tell me why you
2: like it. I think I love the actors in it. It's just a fun story. It's like a mystery, and it doesn't take itself too serious, I feel like. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. Okay. Yeah. And it deals with something that is kind of relevant to us. What? Just yeah. You had to start it. I don't want to.
1: <laughs> That's a really cool concept. I think I, uh, I like only Selena Gomez out of like the trio. Like the characters.
3: Yeah. I mean, I like Selena Gomez too.
2: So let's be clear there. <laughs> she does need to blow her nose when she talks. That's all I'll say. <laughs> She's like, I don't know what you guys are doing. I'm like, oh, please.
4: <laughs> Grab a Kleenex. Yeah.
2: The other ones are Midnight Mass on Netflix. Did I you did start, start that? It? I saw that, but I haven't started it yet. <sighs> DJ and I, I think, are on,
3: like the same <sighs> on episode. On the same episode. Yeah. Okay. yeah, That's a continuation of- Like a slow of, burn type situation?
1: It's a continuation of Hill House and- Oh, a continuation. Uh, Bly Manor. Like in that same universe.
2: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not same characters, but like same director, right? Yeah. Um, Super fun. And you've told a story that reminds me of it. Which one? Uh, I don't want to give it away because it will give it away. Give it away. But the story you told had. Profound. (whistles) Like whistling from like. That's all I'll say. Oh, frick, dude. So if you're a real fan, you'll know.
3: (sighs) Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: just dawned. And then last one. Oh, dude. On My Block, season four.
3: Oh, shoot.
2: I was on my way to work the other day. I'm in Utah traffic, and it's just playing on my dash.
3: Okay, that's a good idea, actually.
2: I'm not watching at all. I'm both hands on the wheel, and We're I'm watching the You're in the, the passenger <laughs> seat, right? <laughs> but something happens, and a character dies. Oh, no. And I legitimately started Balling in traffic i was <laughs> leaking from the face and i was like this is affecting me so bad i'm so emotional like tears were streaming down my face oh my god i was so sad that's how i started my day yesterday <laughs> dude it just got to me man and once you guys catch up we can talk about it but your boy was sad oh gosh someone sent us a list a listener and i was surprised by this. so shout out Nikki. She said, Hey, you guys probably get a ton of these, but I figured I'd just send some horror movie recommendations I think you might like and maybe haven't seen. So let's go through and see if you guys have seen any. First one, Empty Man. I have seen that show up on like
3: the list of movies, but I haven't like I every time I see like the cover, I'm not like, oh, I want to watch that. So it's interesting to see that recommended.
2: Okay. N-O-R-O-I, The Curse. No idea how to say that. <clears> hmm. <throat> um hole in the ground i think i have seen that actually and then dude someone take a crack at this one
1: gone jam haunted asylum that sounds korean <laughs> sounds like a dish oh speaking of korean google what no uh, squid game squid game oh did you finish yet
2: i haven't started well i right. f- like started the first episode you still haven't gone past that no nope. you big nerd
4: did you start it <laughs>
2: No, I haven't started it yet. Okay. Uh, The Tunnel. This one you can only find on YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) She enjoyed it a ton.
1: That's fine. I'll watch a a movie on YouTube. It's the Australian
3: (laughs) one I'm talking
2: about. I've
1: watched uh, Shrek as a GIF. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
2: (laughs) That's so funny. The Final Prayer, The Borderlands.
3: I haven't heard of those either.
2: Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like Everyone on this list I'd never really seen. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. If our listeners are interested, go watch them and let us know if they're worth watching. Yeah, let
3: them know let us know what you think.
2: But anyway, shout out her. Shout out her. Shout out Nikki. We also have an update from Robin in the treetops on orbs. Did any of you guys see this?
4: No.
1: I saw I read this. <laughs> Can you so Robin uh because we recently talked about orbs and we shit all over them. <laughs>
2: that was a lot of me.
1: Yeah. Uh and she messaged uh, saying, I heard you talking about orbs. I have an interesting fact. Why did you uh, put parentheses around facts? Um, <laughs> we know why. <laughs> yeah, uh, about them. If you zoom in on the orbs, they all have faces in them. Sounds oh. weird. I know. But I was hanging out with a friend who is tight with a local author who writes about local ghost stories. She went on a ghost walk and took pictures filled with orbs. And she showed me how there are faces in them. This is like... I have never noticed that. I have
3: never noticed that. But it's like the same thing as I don't see the man in the moon either. So it's like...
2: Is that an orb? We I will say I was researching a story today. And I... The culmination of the story is this guy captured photo evidence of something really scary. So I'm like reading the whole story and I'm like, damn, this is crazy. And then finally I see the photo. And I was like, What? <laughs> It was like just like a blurry smudge, and yeah. the way it was in the story, it was like definitive it's evidence. disembodied soul. Yeah. And so it's just like you
1: can kind of just see what you want
2: to see. <laughs> yeah,
1: no disrespect I'm not saying to that's orb wrong. communities. I have not tried it, so I can't. I've I can't never zoomed in
3: in an orb. Yeah,
1: maybe we need to go try it. Probably let's Probably. go zoom in on some orbs.
2: Yeah, let's go. But interesting. Yeah, if anyone else has info about. Please send us photos orbs. with zoomed-in
3: orbs. Yeah. Send us the photo of the orb and the zoomed-in. So, <laughs>
1: My favorite part is how she quoted facts.
2: Well, she's like, here's an interesting fact. fact.
1: <laughs> Wait, so did you want us to know this or not? <laughs> is that mean?
2: I think she was saying, like, it's a fact. Like, it might not be. <laughs> oh. That's how I was reading it. I don't know.
1: So the same way people say literally. Well, we're yeah, gonna need literally. To, maybe people say literally all the time, but doesn't really.
3: We're gonna have to find out. Yeah, like to, to really the
2: disprove or prove. Yeah. Oh, I
1: went to a pumpkin
2: patch yesterday. Yeah. Oh, sick, dude! Pumpkin patches. I almost said like, why are why are they only in fall? But it kind of makes <laughs> you dumbass. Kind of makes, uh, my thought on it are pumpkin patches. A single now, thought are just straight up, like, influencer (laughs) heaven.
4: Like, I went,
2: and everyone around me is posing and taking photos. And I was like, this is hilarious. (laughs) Like, I saw trained dogs sitting on chairs that the person brought with them. Wow. And I was like, whoa, damn. I saw, like, so many people, like, posing in the sunflowers and stuff. I was like, this is, teach their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught like 20 photos. You know what I'm saying? I was like (laughs) judging them. I was like, and then I took out my phone and took like seven photos. But it was just very interesting. I saw moms like posing their kids.
3: Oh, but my mom's been posing us since we were zero. Like, guys, we need to take a picture. Three hours later,
2: we finally get the GD picture. (laughs) It was just an interesting vibe. Best donuts I've had in a really long time, though. What? Yeah. I don't know where it is. It's like North Salt Lake. But they had apple cider donuts that Ooh. they make fresh when you order. Mm.
3: Okay. Yeah,
2: it was so good. And I got a corn dog. Delish. Dude, I had a corn dog
3: at a pumpkin patch last night. That's too. what's
2: up. Why did you get a corn dog? Because I
3: was feeling corn dogs. Dude. I was like, it just makes sense. Yeah.
1: Corn dogs are lit. Dude, corn dogs bro, it was are Bro, it's like lit. the
3: ones where they dip it too and then fry it, bro. It was, Wait, how else do they make corn
2: dogs? Oh, uh, well, you know, the frozen. You ones. open it and you microwave and, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they make the corn dogs <laughs> the same way, right?
3: I don't know how those corn dogs get <laughs> yeah. made, but.
2: Who knows, bro? But I still F's with
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> the meat that they slice and they cook it. <laughs> uh, pumpkin spice. Is it
3: overrated? I mean, I F's with it. I do think it's overrated though. I'm
2: gonna be honest, I I don't really have anything that has in it. So I don't know. I don't know what to judge it off. You've of. never really
1: had anything that has it? Not that I can like remember.
2: Bro, pumpkin
1: spice no.
3: Twinkies. I had pumpkin spice donuts. Or what about I even hate.
1: like pumpkin pie? Like pumpkin things. I do like pumpkin pie.
3: I do like pumpkin pie. I, I don't
1: f with pie. a lot of pie. I f with like chocolate and pumpkin. I don't like pumpkin in general, dude. It just reminds me of baby food. Ooh, the whole texture does, is like dude. baby food. T- and <laughs> Do you want
2: another reason to hate Australia? Pumpkin soup is sometimes their whole meal. So when I was like living over there, serving the Mormon mission, I'd be biking all day in like 500 degree heat. Then I'd, <laughs> show, up at, soup. I'd show up at an Aussie's house and they gave me a tiny bowl of pumpkin soup. And I was like, <laughs> bro, at least it's not onion soup. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It's, yeah. it's like that's their meal. Damn, bro. Up. They hate themselves.
1: <laughs> I feel similarly about a butternut squash soup.
2: I mean, it's probably it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. Very similar.
1: It's like soup with pulp. But I love, like, <laughs> I orange like, juice with dude, pulp. Dude, give me that heavy pulp, I want to chew my orange juice. <laughs> yeah, trying to eat orange juice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 100%.
4: Yeah,
1: I don't know why uh, I struggle with it. Because the same thing was just hot. You know?
2: Is it a texture thing for you? Is it a taste? Man,
1: that's my least favorite excuse when people. It's like, a texture. It's the texture. Sushi texture.
2: You're mocking uh, Kevin right now. Dude, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Why is it your least favorite? Let's hear it.
2: Texture? No, like, why is it your least favorite excuse?
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like grow up. <laughs> it like there's other things that you've eaten with similar texture, but it's not like savory. Huh. Like, you know. I've tried to break down foods, like foods that I don't like. I've overcome that and like learned to like them because I've just broken it down to simple things like the flavors, the textures. Like eventually it'll be mayonnaise. Like I'll like I'll like mayonnaise at some point. I hate mayonnaise now, <laughs> but I think I'll like it. And it'll like take <laughs> different ways. Like I want to make mayonnaise from scratch. Yeah.
3: Oh, shoot. Sure, I feel
1: like when you create something and you see the process. You appreciate it more, okay. and you're more open to the idea of it, if that makes sense. And then, like, I don't know, pudding's the same texture as mayonnaise. So, oh shoot, you're like, right. there's lots of things that you eat, but I like that are it. similar. Like all, but these it's not things, sweet. So. It's what savory, savory mayonnaise kind of? ish. Yeah, you know, it's salty. But like, fat. I've eaten, <laughs> I've eaten like fatty, like salty things before. So. Yeah. It's just different combinations of
2: right. So you're mad at others because they they don't take that approach.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Did <laughs> so I say you, that? So you
2: hate people who think differently than you? <laughs> Is that what I said? No, <laughs> <laughs> you just said you hate that excuse. The texture? No, yeah, you hate the excuse oh. of when people be like, "I don't like the texture." Yeah, grow up, dude. Because <laughs> we know people. I won't. They'll remain nameless, but they're like, "I hate avocados because the texture." <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you eat mashed potatoes, it's like the same thing as guacamole almost. Ooh, interesting. You know, it's true. Yeah. It's just a different flavor. And you've had a similar flavor to that before, probably, and different textures. Can I give you
2: one? You know, you know what I, I mean? Hearing? I do know what
3: you mean. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. yeah. It does make sense.
1: Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah, I, I feel what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And it's also like, like, I, my aunt made, made me like an egg salad sandwich when I was a kid. And I bit into it and like, I barfed straight away. <laughs> so there was like, 10, 15 years where I just, you just like hated doubled the egg salad. <laughs> That's all so it's like, <laughs> I hated eggs, so – especially egg salad. Um, and then I finally broke out of that. So it's like, to a point, there's like, it's part of like your genetic makeup for your body to like reject certain foods. Asians but and milk. <laughs> I I don't think it's like that. I feel like more often than not, people make up. It's like a mental thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're like, yeah. they decide that they don't like that when they really could decide. Too could,
2: like, like 100%. Too you know? Yeah, yeah. You
1: could mentally
2: decide you like eating shit and like get through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's like the some same with shit like that. So. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. There is a little more to that. My least favorite thing is when people say they don't care how it tastes cuz it's all going to end up in the same place anyway. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, my tongue's not in my asshole." So yeah. it's like <laughs> That doesn't affect me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Like,
1: you just make like an angel piss concoction. Of, you know, Like, it's all going to end up possible. in the same place. So dumb.
2: But yeah. Hilarious.
1: Those people are terrifying. They have nothing to lose. I legitimately nothing said to that last way. week. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't make sense to me.
2: It's like, yeah, I'm not tasting my innards. You know what I mean?
1: It's like such a, you connected dots that aren't supposed to connect. <laughs>
3: Bro, I didn't have the luxury of being picky growing up.
1: Well,
2: I did. <laughs> Oh, what was I say? Dude, I never got when I saw people plugging their nose. Like when they eat when or like, when they jump into water. Because I swear that's <laughs> the, uh, both, bro. That's a good point. Dude, <laughs> just blow out your nose if you go in water. When people plug their nose in water, I'm like, can you not just breathe out of your nose? Like, no. I don't get it. I grew up in a swimming pool. I like lived in a swimming pool. I dunked my pizza and ate it in a swimming pool. Yeah, you get that chlorine yeah. taste, you just bro. Blow out of your nose.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can't. Intake water if you're blowing out at the same time. <laughs>
2: like mad adults just be getting in water and like,
4: it's like
2: dying. It's like two feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I figured that, That's more infuriating, Sean. That makes sense. Thanks for bringing that up so I can air that out. Uh, Grown ass adults on the, on the diving board like. <laughs> grow up. Grow up. But, but yeah, like they plug their nose to try to eat food. I'm laughing because that's,
1: hundred <laughs> percent. Cannot she, she cannot get in in water? Without, Are we cutting this? No, leave it. Oh she goodness. cannot get in water without plugging her nose. I was like, blow out your damn nose! <laughs> Do you know what's crazy? <laughs> Do you know what's wild? What? I totally respect that. Yeah,
2: and it's totally shut fine. Up. Yeah, You're no, dope. to each their own. No, yeah, like, if you can't up. figure that out, it's fine. Like I understand.
1: Stop taking it
2: back. Water's hard. Stop backpedaling. <laughs> Sometimes it goes up. I don't know <laughs> when you're breathing out and it burns it's I don't, crazy God gave his fingers so we could just plug you know what I'm saying
3: exactly this is what I always say <laughs> what were you saying
1: cut the <laughs> <bit>. No. <laughs> but, no I'm um, I don't think that's true the if you can't smell you can't taste
2: no it's 100% not true yeah
1: maybe yeah. you have <laughs> taste less <laughs> yeah. yeah thank you Yeah.
4: <laughs> you just taste you less or something. you
3: less. might
2: taste less Yeah, I don't know. I never got it. Because, like, I
3: feel like part of the experience is smelling the food as you're, like, eating it. Yeah. And if you don't, then it's somehow lessened.
2: I feel like that's a thing. My smell and taste, I think, is more connected than, like, the normal human. (laughs) And I've done this for many years, but when I diet, I take a bottle of water. And I know I've talked about this a lot, but I don't give a shit. We have new listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I take a bottle of water and I take a delicious food, a plate, a dish, Mm -hmm. and I smell deeply. And I put the bottle of water to my mouth and I drink at the same time I'm smelling. And it's like (laughs) I'm eating food, dog. I swear if I patent that, I could sell that as a diet. But it's like eating for me when I smell things. Yeah, It's very visceral. I don't know. My sniffer is a good whiffer. You know what I mean? Hey, there you go. (laughs) I have a sensey nose. It's a blessing. Hold up. So sorry.
1: Miranda's trying to get in. Anyway, smellers, you know. (laughs) Um, you can bring the mic down a little bit. Sorry, the arm's not very long for you. Yo, okay. What What are your thoughts on? We have Miranda in the building. Pumpkin spice.
5: Trash. Oh, really? (laughs) Absolute trash. Yeah, I hate it.
1: Female take. (laughs) She said it. (laughs) She said it. She represents all women. Yeah,
5: (laughs) I am the only woman in the world, and I hate the world,
2: Miranda.
4: Exactly.
5: Like. The only pumpkin thing I'll eat, period, is like pumpkin chocolate chip cookies if it has enough oh. chocolate chips to cover up the pumpkin.
3: <laughs> yeah, if you get like a bunch of chocolate chips in there, though, it's like real good.
1: When it's like pumpkin base, I, I I guess I struggle with it.
2: I just personally don't like the taste. Okay, so Miranda wasn't here in the beginning, so I have a question for you about food. Are there any foods you don't like because of the texture? Beans. Beans DJ thinks you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what. You shouldn't unlike anything because of texture.
5: (laughs) What if it's like a combo, like texture and
2: taste? DJ, oh, I stand by. I stand by what I said. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I just boiled down his argument to like the most uh rudimentary. Yeah, (laughs) he was just saying like it's hard when people say like they don't like something because of texture because like you can mentally get over that at some point
1: right or it's equated to like like there are other things that it equates to that you've eaten before i
3: mean there are some things like texture wise that are like i don't like but i'll eat like okra dude like okra mm. has like that sliminess inside but like i like the taste so i still eat it is there yeah. any other thing you like that's slimy um that i like or don't like like uh, I don't know much else that's slimy that I've eaten, though. Huh. I ate I eat jellyfish one time, and that was slimy and gross.
2: So maybe he legitimately doesn't
1: like slimy texture. It tasted kind of like salty, like snot. <laughs> Here's the thing you don't have to, I don't think you have to like it, but when people are like, I cannot. Oh, yeah. Like that's they bar the constitution. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like foods I don't everything. like, yeah, but like I'll eat it. Pickiness. If somebody make, cooks food for me, like I'll eat whatever they cook.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. If someone's no. cooking for me, I'm going to eat it. No.
1: Pickiness, I've never understood. But like people who have come to our house and we've made food and they're like, I won't eat that. It's like, you shut the hell up and you eat that food. <laughs> Dude, this one
2: time I had a homie over. Peanut allergy? Eat the, yeah. the <laughs> diet. Go to hell. <laughs> Leave this earth. Uh, we had a homie at our house one time. And this is when I was in college and broke, right? And we were hungry. It was late in the night. We were just vibing, just chilling. Doing dude stuff. Yeah. And I was like, bro, I'm going a, I'm to a cook us some food. You want some food? And he they were like, well, what are you making? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to make a quesadilla. And so I went to go make a quesadilla. And I made it. And they went, no thanks. I don't want it. <laughs> and it was Kevin. <laughs> the rudest, right? So rude, dude. I was like, what the heck? Dude,
3: you made him a gourmet. Yeah, and he I just took turned a, it
2: down. I took a tortilla, I sprinkled some cheese on, put another tortilla on top, and I threw it in the microwave for like 30 <laughs> seconds. And apparently that just wasn't good enough for his refined palate. I was pissed, dude. <laughs> I still hold that against him. He was pissed that I made it in the microwave. Cause, Understandably. Cause standards. Yeah, man.
1: Earlier you were talking about uh, how the pumpkin patch has become like the Instagram, the haven, Instagram yeah. haven spot. Headquarters, yeah. Everything's Instagram now. <laughs> okay. That's correct.
2: There's a really, yes, you're completely right. We actually were talking about this. I think most restaurants nowadays, or at least it's becoming more of the trend, 90% of their effort, design, and funds go into making the restaurant, and this is their words, like Instagrammable. And then like 10% or less goes into making good food. <laughs> Case in point, a super popular restaurant opened up in sandy utah i heard great reviews about it people were raving i was stoked me and my wife went stood in line because there was like a long ass line and then we get into the lobby still waiting live band everyone's beautiful and like wearing their nicest clothes and i was like damn the interior was crazy i was like wow this is really cool i'm excited to eat sat down we ate the what are those beignets beignets we ate the beignets, and I was like, this is really good. And then we ordered our food, and I took a bite. Mad mid, dude. Like, <laughs> taste-wise. And for half a second, I was like, no, I, I must be wrong. This, is, this, is, this has got to be good. So I, like, took more <laughs> bites, and I was like, this has got to be good. And I took more and more bites, and I was like – And then I closed my eyes, ignored the live band, and I was like, okay, is this actually good? And I sat there and just, like, paid attention to the taste. And I was like, dude, this is mid. This is mad mid. And yet everyone still is like, it's the best place ever. Yeah. But it is gorgeous inside. Yeah. Yeah.
1: On the flip side, uh, dude, the best sushi experience I've had in Utah, as far as like how quality the cuts of fish were and how inventive the menu was, has terrible reviews on Yelp. And all of the reviews are saying it's super expensive and I didn't get a lot of food. Which is true, and I think the restaurant knows that it's an expensive sushi restaurant. <laughs> so it's like they're not trying to be cheap. So why are you Golden ra- Corral? Exactly. Why are you rating them as such? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think people are I feel like they're attacked if they don't get it their way. Huh. That makes sense.
2: No, I feel what you're saying.
1: Because it's like uh, you can criticize uh, the repetition and it's like the endless fall pictures, falling for fall, all <laughs> the stereotypical captions and pictures that you see every year and every season surrounding every event. Like there's clones upon clones upon clones of the same thing. So it nobody can speak out against it because at the end of the day, it's to each their own. Right. But like... Does it not come at the cost of something like maybe bad tasting food in your experience yeah you know
2: and my point is too it's like the hype is more important than the product
1: it's not substantive it's it doesn't sustain itself yeah it's yeah. a like trends uh come and go super quickly so
2: so overrated i i would say so and once again to each their own if you got a dish and you were like yo this is li- that's dope but for me and my opinion i was like dude this is mad mid
1: well, if you look at all the the five-star reviews, if I think it's the same restaurant, all the five-star reviews talk about how beautiful the ambiance is and how yeah. like cool no the atmosphere is. No okay, but like food. for real, though, the beignets were
2: good. <laughs> yeah, they were good. But it's like, how hard is it to fry dough and put sugar on it? Yeah, That's <laughs> <And laughs> like, true.
3: Yeah, but I they probably had that, that raspberry jelly that was pretty good, too. That was really I with
4: it.
2: Oh, for me, taste over everything. I will go to a hole in the wall if they have dank-ass food, and I will go there over and over and over.
3: And you know what's underrated? And I'm going to keep saying this until we get sponsored, Maverick. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Bro, we're Adventure's first podcast, so give us a sponsorship. (laughs) I'm going to start
2: bleeping it until they sponsor us. (laughs) All I'm saying is, guys, don't believe the hype. Make your own decisions. Don't be a sheep. Follow your stomach. (laughs) Don't plug your nose. Be adventurous. On the real though, when water does go up your head, isn't that like one of the top most pains you can have in this life? (laughs) You got to plug your nose when you go swimming. Stubbing your toe on like a table. And then when the water, you know what I'm talking about? When the water goes up and like your whole brain lights on fire. Yeah. That shit sucks.
1: (laughs) We're laughing at people who plug their nose when they go underwater. Adults. You do that?
5: (laughs) If I'm like cliff jumping or something, yeah, I'm going to plug my nose. (laughs)
1: I actually see that. because cliff- no, I back. No, no, the first time I cliff jumped, dude, water sh- shot straight up my asshole and my nose. <laughs> dude. You gotta blow out your asshole if yeah. you, know. <laughs> you gotta fart at <laughs> yeah. the same time that you yeah. it's Just
5: an enema for the nose and the butthole.
1: Yeah, dude, it cleared me out and it hurt. I felt it in like my intestines, I swear. Is that how anatomy works? <laughs> dude, you lost your butt butthole. Too. Dude, how high <laughs> yeah. were you jumping
2: from? Like it Five was feet, at bro? least 50
1: feet. Damn, bro. Yeah.
2: Okay. Right onto your scout leader.
1: Yeah. Dude, it uh, bruised my tailbone, is oh, how high it was. Shoot. You I got, jumped in straight, too. Like straight and pencil came out dive. Not
4: straight. Came out <laughs> not
1: straight. Well, it, it came out probably more straight, you know? <laughs> bro. Uh, it was at Lake Powell, the first time I went to Lake Powell. The homie point. of the podcast,
2: Jake. Do you remember his story? I don't think you were there when we recorded it. In the early days of the podcast, when it was just like anyone could come to a recording. We did an episode. It was me, Jake, and Jordan. And Jake told a story where he went cliff jumping with his homies. And someone was one of his bros is down there, just did the jump. And he's like, do it naked, bro. (laughs) And Jake was like, gladly. So he took his trunks off. And he jumps off. And he said, like, he came down like this. Oh, with his his legs apart a little bit. Yeah. And he said, a water spike went up and through him. And he said, when he hit the water... It was like lightning of pain, like through his whole body. And he was like in the water. (sighs) Just like in the, and one of his homies. Underwater screaming. Yeah. On a jet ski and came over and he was like, bro, please help me. I'm bleeding. Help me, please. I'm bleeding. Hold me out. And his his homie was on the jet ski and he's like, I don't want to grab you. You're naked. (laughs) naked. And he's like sinking. He's like, you
1: just, help (laughs) me. (laughs) You ran me down. He said
2: he was so wrecked for so long. It destroyed him. Ruined the whole camping trip.
1: I uh, know. Uh, so you guys have that. In co- you're like uh, Eskimo brothers with <laughs> bodies with of water. Like the, right? the water. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. A few years later, I had a dream that I ate his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's like a, a human centipede.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's
2: all connected. You know a snake dies by eating itself?
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and Jake that's are us. a snake. Yeah.
2: <laughs> dude, omens. There's something to that. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, so when you jump off cliffs... Nose, butthole, plug. Yeah. <laughs> if you take away anything from the pod, okay stories we
1: get into
4: it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All
2: right. Now we roll a twenty sided die to see in what order we tell our stories. Highest number goes first. The roll. DJ missed. <laughs> it's in his hand.
3: <laughs> and now ours are changed. <laughs> no, damn it.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, roll nice a dice and see. Tell story. Highest number go for.
1: Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m.
5: Let me introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity.
0: He was a very knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you.
5: Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point, when you're wrong.
0: It was all fictitious. You stole from my son, who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of.
2: A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry
5: might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. Oh, 20 for Charles, 15 for
2: Deej. I got seven. So the order is Charlie, DJ, Jonathan. Let's go. All right. For Tamina and I, <sighs> keep going what, what did i even say for to me for, <laughs> for me tonight that wrecked my head for me tonight i have a short one and once again channel network one of my coworkers workers come in podcast comes up and they tell me their story so this Ooh. is a coworker shout out christy christy is chinese mexican half and half which i'll be honest first one i've ever met yeah haven't met a lot of chinese mexicans huh. interesting Dope. Really good food, I bet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Growing up, she would visit her grandparents, and they are her Mexican grandparents. Um, She loved going to their house. Abuela had great food. Vibes were good. It was like home away from home. Except there was one, two things about her grandparents' house that she hated. One of them was the hallway. And I should mention this. Growing up, Christy said, since a very young age, since she can remember, she was very in tune, in in her words, with vibes. So she's like, I don't know what it is. I just get really strong feelings about people and places. And she's used that to govern a lot of her choices in life. So she'll go somewhere and get a bad vibe. She's out. Right? So grandparents' house, great vibes. Loves it. Except the hallway. He's like, ever since I was little, I don't know what it was. I would get into the hallway and immediately feel like someone was watching me. Yeah. So she would just like sprint through the hallway and the hallway in the house. It was positioned like all the way through the middle of the house. And at one was the front door. And at the very end was grandpa's office, like where he had his computer. And so it was like a really long, dark hallway. And so anytime she had to, like, move to another side of the house, she would just sprint through. The second thing she did not like about her grandparents' house was her grandparents'. Just kidding. (laughs) It was a family heirloom that had been passed down for over a hundred years.
4: Oh. What
1: was
2: it? It was about this tall. Is it a doll? A child? It was about three feet tall. It was made of like Adobe oh, and it was in the shape of a small Mexican girl.
3: I don't like that. So yes,
2: it was like a doll. (laughs) It's been in the family for several generations passed down. We looked up photos on Google and we typed in like Mexican clay doll. And she, every single one, she's like, no, it looked way older than that. And we found like the oldest looking ones. I was like, surely like this. And she's like, no. Older. What? So as a kid, this thing terrified her. She never wanted to be alone. Her grandma like, kept it near the front door. And it was like roughly the same size of her, right? As a child. Terrifying. So every time she'd visit grandma and grandpa's house over the years, those are the two things she would avoid. That doll and that hallway. About five years ago. And Christy, I'm sorry if I'm getting these wrong, but I'm pretty sure. About five years ago, grandma passes away. Christy's hanging out there, but ever since grandma passed, she said a definite mood shift in the home. Things were darker, things felt way less warm, and she was way more uneasy being there. She even said super sadly, it almost was like grandma was grandpa's tether to this world. So she goes and grandpa starts forgetting things, starts having conversations with people who aren't there. And starts being less and less um, present, fun to be around, for lack of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it takes a lot out of her to be around her grandpa. But at some point, he, like, contacted her or maybe one of her cousins was like, hey, you need to go help, go help grandpa. He can't figure out the computer. So, she's like, okay. You know, she's young. She's, like, in her 20s, 30s. She's like, okay, I'll go help him. So, she's over there. She said, same thing. Vibe, weird. Hallway, dark, Weird. Grandpa struggling. She's sitting sitting in the computer room. Grandpa's like in his bedroom sleeping. She's clicking away on the computer trying to figure out, you know, maybe what what virus grandpa downloaded or whatever's going on. She's trying to figure it all out. (laughs) Or if the computer was even on. Yeah. She turned it off, turned it back on. So she's sitting there and it almost, she doesn't notice it. And then there it is. A feeling. Like someone's watching her. And the way she's sitting in the open office door, it's open, and the hallway is right behind her. Right when she notices this, she hears a uh, a creak in the hallway. And she turns around, and she said not three feet behind her, the doll was in the middle of the hallway behind the door. Bro, no. Christy told me this like during working hours. And her eyes are this big. And she is dead serious. Like we were just talking about like numbers and quotas and quarter, you know, (laughs) quarterly. And then all of a sudden this came up and she's like, and I swear I turned around and the doll is right there. And like she's so intense like relaying this story to me. She sees the doll and like dies inside. She turned around to grab her cell phone, turns back. The doll was gone. So she said, Everything in me. She stood up, slammed the door shut, called her dad, and said, You have to drive to grandpa's house right now. She's like, I'm not getting off this phone until you get here. Luckily, her dad was like, All right. Drove. It was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or something. Drove all the way there. And she would not open the door until her dad, like, knocked on the other side of the office door. And she's like, Charlie, I don't know what it was, but I swear on everything, I saw the doll in the middle of the hall. I was like, yikes. (laughs) She doesn't know how to explain it. And she's like, I'm telling you, it wasn't a trick of the light. It wasn't, you know, Uh. like her imagination or something. She wasn't sleeping. She wasn't intoxicated. She's like, I saw what I saw, and I do not know how to explain it. She said, I haven't been back to my grandpa's house since that day. It's like over five years.
3: That's smart though. I say.
2: In the middle of telling that story, she goes, oh, and I had a lot of family members who worked on the set of Annabelle. Oh, what? And she said, uh, because she lived in Southern California. So a lot of her cousins apparently worked on the set of Annabelle. And I was like, dude, tell me everything. We're at work, so she didn't have a lot of time. But what she said was, in the beginning of Annabelle, they brought, the Warrens brought the real the doll. Yeah. Oh, what the? The second it got to set, accidents started happening. People got sick. Like, someone almost died. So they took the doll away, and they had to use, like, a fake standard doll. But she was like, all oh, my cousins were, like, terrified on that set. Yeah, we're wilding, bringing the actual thing, <laughs> like, to a movie set. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Why not?
1: It's
3: no better time to bring it up. Make it more legitimate. Yeah. That's what I always say.
2: But anyway, that's Christy's encounter with a clay Mexican doll. Is a doll still around? Well, I think her grandpa's still alive. I'm not sure on that. I can check in with her, but it's at his house if it is. And it sounds like it's been passed down for so long, it's going to get passed down to someone in our family. Like oh. one of her cousins or something, you know?
1: So if you get it, you're the family member, what do you do? Just throw it away. You could, I already
3: told my parents I don't want any of their stuff.
1: I'm not I don't really like have anything sent to, I have no attachment to a lot of things. When it comes to like sentimental value. Give that like, to
3: a pawn shop. Oh, Go on pawn star, see how much I can get for it.
2: For like two pesos. <laughs> You're like, oh, damn it. Antique let me let show. me get
3: my uh antique doll guy in yeah. here and we'll check it out. Yeah.
2: Uh no, I I don't know. I'd probably chain it up, put it in some storage.
1: Is that better than throwing it away,
2: dude? I don't know because at least you like know where it is, dude. Give it to like one of those
3: people. Who's the guy that had you told the story that they found like the little figure out in, like the cat skills or something like that? The crone. the crone, the crone. Give it to those people. I'm sure they want that. Possibly. You can prove that there's like some actual haunted
2: stuff going on. I'm sure they want it. Dude. People are about that. True. True. You could probably sell it to some freak who wants some cursed object. Not for me. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. Terrifying. Yeah. No. Uh, I could feel so strong her emotion when she's telling that. It was a fun story to hear. So thank you, Christy. Shout out. Yeah. And that's me for tonight. I'm just doing a short one.
3: Let's go.
1: I'm sure most of you have heard already. But <laughs> recently, the Zodiac Killer was identified.
4: <laughs>
3: what?
1: Have you seen that? Allegedly. Identified? Allegedly, what? No, I need more info. With a question mark?
2: Wait, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. No, okay. DJ, DJ
2: texted that to me earlier this week. But when you said that, I jumped up out of my seat at <laughs> work. And I was like,
1: because, dude, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. A co-worker told me. Uh, and I immediately started texting you guys about it. <laughs> but uh, Zodiac Killer... There's uh, Zodiac Killer's like I would say second to Ted Bundy. Bro, as far as like I would say like this, like true neck crime and neck. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. even the same but one of the most romanticized serial killers in the history of serial killers. Yeah. So, I I assume a lot of our listeners already have studied the Zodiac Killer <laughs> by listening to podcasts or watching documentaries or even movies. About it but let's just bring everyone uh, up to speed so the zodiac killer was famous for a few different reasons his name was given because of how cryptic he was he sent in uh like ciphers yeah so he is allegedly responsible for killings in four different areas all throughout california starting in central california uh south central uh, santa barbara and then down to Riverside, allegedly Riverside, and then up to the Bay Area. Benicia? How do you say it? Benicia. Benicia and uh, Vallejo.
4: Hey, that's where so, McTray's from, too. Mac hey, Dre, shout out
1: <laughs> yeah. All the important people. Uh, and, and the Zodiac. <laughs> and the Zodiac. Yeah. Uh, so he was in four different locations. He's responsible for at least five uh, different murders. He has admitted to, I believe, 37, but they've, they haven't confirmed.
3: But they've verified oh, how many of them?
1: Uh, at least five. Oh, shoot. Five to six right now. And then where he gets his name from are from the six different letters and documents that he either sent in to local news outlets in the Bay Area or were discovered in some other way at like some at other the scene time. Of the crime
2: yeah. i know in one crime scene he like
1: left it on like the car door of the victims yeah. oh yeah yeah and with these documents he had his own set of like alphabet runes crazy symbols a cipher that only he understood mm-hmm. and it was left to the general public to decipher these in hopes of discovering who he is Dude,
2: basically the most elaborate, like, hunt-a-killer IRL
1: ever. Because his
2: ciphers, to this day, people are trying to crack them. Yep. And actually, like, four months ago, one of the most notorious ciphers that hadn't been cracked got cracked.
3: Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about that. I'm going to get into that. Oh, snap.
1: No, you're good. Um, It happened last year. It was three dudes, an Australian mathematician a Belgian cryptographer. All right, mate. Let's go ahead
2: and take a look at this (laughs) cipher.
1: And an American software engineer. Together they actually (laughs) together they decoded uh one of the final uh maybe not one of the final one of the the documents and they said they tried like hundreds of thousands of different uh combinations and formulas to try to figure this out. Um they figured out that the way he wrote this document because this is the picture of it here. Yeah. You can see it. Um, he like started at like, he didn't go like from left to right like English. Uh, he started at like the top right hand corner and he went like diagonally. Oh my like God. Like one, de- wow. one down, diagonally, two, two to the left. <laughs> and that's how he wrote that. One down, two um, to the left. <laughs> so oh it's my like, gosh. it's not only trying to figure out the characters, but it's like in the order that they're written right, as well. Right. Yeah. So things this like is that. Rude. Uh That's why it's taken. 51 years from when it was discovered to when they finally figured out what it said. And that specific document came out reading. I hope you're having lots of fun in trying to catch me. And then a few other lines, uh, references to events that were happening during that time. But that was the opening line to that. That cipher was, I hope you're having lots of fun trying to catch me. So I think what was happening to at the time is like,
2: he was killing people and then he would immediately send stuff to the press and to the police. And like back then, they didn't really understand the psychology of killers and like what you should do. So they would just like publish everything he sent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Basically make making it infamous. Yeah. And it's like now they're like, "Oh, we probably shouldn't make him a superstar. Can't release this." <laughs> yeah. This yeah. might yeah. So yeah, like he he had like the press, the police, like everyone. So yeah, he was like, "I hope you're having fun" cuz like He was controlling all of the Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Alviso, we had on the last episode that just came out, his (laughs) aunt lived in San Francisco during the When it was happening. That's why, And she talked about everyone was terrified for their life because there was just like no rhyme or reason to his kills. And everyone's like, so they were like locking their doors, not trusting anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy.
5: I just recently watched a video on how they solved the cipher. So like what DJ's saying, it was like, in like diagonally across. And then he also like spelled words wrong so that like, like he would like forget an an O in enough or something like that. And then like he put something in about like slaves, but it said slaver instead of slaves, which like isn't really a word. Yeah. And so like just crazy stuff like that. Uh,
1: Screwed up everyone. Insane. I had no idea about that. Um, Since all of this happened the case has pretty much gone cold. and Because when was it happening? The 60s? Late 60s. 68, 69. What are we now? Like the 2000 something? The whole. 2021. Yeah. The whole uh, spree lasted about uh, like the, the craze of it all happened uh, went over like eight months or so. So it was pretty short, but impactful enough mm-hmm. to get, you know, all of this uh, interest, like global interest and uh decades later people are still you know doing podcasts about it (laughs) hello talking about it uh since then there have been uh, multiple potential suspects for example there was a girl who turned in her father saying that he was the zodiac killer and as a child she remembers being present for at least two of the murders (laughs) what so whether it, uh, her dad was a Zodiac killer or not, if she's telling the truth, she like, was
3: present for two murders. Yeah, uh,
1: there was a guy who turned in his cousin because his handwriting was like the exact same as a Zodiac killer, amongst other things. I was like,
2: "How much do you got to hate your cousin?" Yeah, exactly. When He's you're like uh, angry cousin, you're a killer. Yeah, <laughs> it's because of your handwriting. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like,
1: bro. <laughs> but it wasn't until. Monday, October 4th of this year. We're recording this on the 7th, Thursday. It wasn't until Monday that an online group called the Case Breakers claimed that they, without a shadow of a doubt, have identified.
3: Without a shadow of a doubt. Bro, I
1: got the some The Zodiac killers. <laughs> yep. So the Case Breakers, if you go to their website, uh, you'll learn that they're a 40-member team. They're led by retired FBI agents. Huh. Uh, and they, as a team, work uh, exclusively on cold cases. Just do it on their free time. Basically a bunch of arm- armchair detectives with some legitimacy behind their experience. So Reddit with credit. Oh <laughs> shit, shut up. <laughs> You're just jealous you didn't think of it? <laughs> I am.
4: She's like, just don't.
1: <laughs> um, they identified the Zodiac Killer... To be a man named Gary Francis Post. Gary Francis Post. How that happened was they got access, somehow, I don't know how. Hacked the mainframe to Mr. Post's dark room, photography dark dark room, where he'd develop his own pictures. And in the dark room. Like the a physical
3: dark room.
4: Yes.
1: Yes. So in the dark room they found a series of pictures uh, throughout his lifetime and the pictures matched up to the sketches of the zodiac killer what? so in I, the, s- I still have shadows i know i'm getting let me let me tell it and we talk about it I know, I know so the sketches have different parts that are unique about it uh, the zodiac killer sketches had two scars going across his forehead
4: Mm-hmm.
1: and shot throughout him, his life... scars on his forehead. <laughs> I have two. Right here, right here. Throughout his life, the pictures of Mr. Post I always thought those had were same, age lines. had the same scars. And then into his later years as an older gentleman... Bro, he looks like Marty McFly
2: in that photo. Kind of,
1: dude. <laughs> um, They also correlated his uh, correlated info with uh, old phone books so Gary post lived in the exact areas that the murders occurred uh, at the exact same times because they looked up the phone books of those areas okay and his information was there he would move to a new area his phone number would be in that phone book and the zodiac new like killings no new killings would be in that area and then when all of the finished he had moved to a different city and started like a small business okay it's Um, getting lighter but i still got So
3: circumstantial
1: the neighbor of gary post thinks that he was the killer and was quoted saying she witnessed callous and cruel behavior towards his wife so the neighbor of mr post witnessed him uh, being a dick. Yeah, being abusive to his wife. Ugh. And uh, she had comments about the resemb- physical resemblance as well.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: They somehow got some of his DNA, Mr. Post. Uh, and they're trying to correlate it with the DNA of the Zodiac Killer. But the local police department won't let them. <laughs> like, oh, No, no. They... <laughs> they caught it and uh they're they're holding on to it um but that's all i could find from from this group who has said that they've identified the killer so they really said unequivocally, it's not, like they they believe that this is oh, actually who it is so i think most of the world i think news headlines this week listed it as identified and then over a over a, over a few days, most people were most people weren't buying into it. Oh, oh legit. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why I started this off by saying, you know, identified with a question mark, but with ooh. a question mark. So that's all I got on the Zodiac Killer.
2: Interesting, dude. I didn't read like anything of, of the evidence or how they thought. Like it's compelling for sure. Yeah, I would like some DNA.
3: Yeah, why are the police just holding out on
2: us? Yeah, what the freak? It's like yeah. they're protecting. They're yeah. mad they didn't solve it, so they're like,
1: no one can solve it. So <laughs> the case breaker said that the police department has refused to allow a simple comparison of, I and I'm not sure, the details weren't clear, if it was the DNA of the Zodiac killer or DNA found on, okay, there was a, there was a murder of a woman named Sherry Jo Bates. She was the Riverside murder uh it's pretty split they haven't confirmed but people half the people believe that the zodiac killer was the cause of that murder and half of the other people don't don't think it was they think it was an unrelated murder sherry joe bates um was a college student at riverside community college and she was found stabbed multiple times and she was nearly decapitated oh but uh yeah that wasn't confirmed there was DNA on her body, and they still have that, and they're trying to compare that with uh, Mister Mr. Post. Mr. Post's DNA now. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to mention Gary Post passed away in 2018 at mm. the age of 80. I that was a critical detail. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's all I got.
3: Crazy, interesting.
1: Dude. I didn't know any of those deets. Same.
3: I still think it sounds circumstantial to me.
1: Hopefully. It's not concrete.
3: Yeah, it's not concrete. Like, it's some good points.
1: Yeah, but it's not concrete.
2: Yeah. yeah, I want want some concrete. Just a little bit of shadows left. (laughs) Uh, In the movie The Zodiac. Oh, dude, yeah. And one of the scariest murders he had, and I think it's like the basis for so many uh, urban legends, but it's the one where the couple... In the car. Go out to a lake. They're having a picnic. Oh, yeah. And they're like about to get frisky. And the girl looks over and near a tree, they see a man standing with a black hood over his head and two like holes cut out. And on his chest is a crosshair like painted. They're like, what the heck? And then ends up being the Zodiac. He comes, stabs them both. I think the guy survives. Mm -hmm. Freak, dude. So terrifying. Yeah. Uh, In the movie, that scene, they take away all music. They take away all like cuts. It's just like one scene of him like stabbing and killing him. And it's like you're sitting there watching him. It's so, it was so jarring. Like I saw that as like a 16, 17 year old. It's like, even now, that movie is just unnerving. Hella. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I would highly suggest going to see it. Zodiac. I actually, at work, Yelled that out. And I was like, dude, they caught the Zodiac. And one of my coworkers goes, who is that? What is that? And I was like, wow, there are people (laughs) like outside of our crowd who like don't know what that stuff is. But to me, I was like, everyone knows this. So weird. Some people just really not about true crime. (laughs) Crazy, dude. Thanks for keeping us updated. Yeah, no. that was my good stuff.
5: Question for you guys. Say you were a serial killer. And you were about to die. Would you confess on your deathbed?
3: No. I would send one last note to throw everybody off.
2: <laughs> yeah, I would think as a serial killer, you're chaotic evil. So like the most chaotic evil move to do is not tell them because you don't want anyone to have closure. So it's like.
5: Okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah. You guys suck. If you guys are all serial
4: killers. <laughs>
2: well, we're serial killers now. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
3: We gave the right answer.
1: I think I would. I think I would say that it was me. Well, Deej is not a serial killer. Why
5: so? not? It's like so much later. People are still talking about it, but just give him that closure.
1: Uh, I don't care about giving people closure. He, he wants, wants glory. Famous. I just want the glory.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that too. <laughs>
1: that's a good question. What about you? Yeah. You would tell people. You murderer. Oh, for
5: sure. I'd just be like, "Yeah, that was me. Bye."
2: <laughs> it was me. Oh.
1: Dead. Okay. I mean, that's valid. Do it for the fame. That was a uh, that was a uh, this the current events on uh, the Zodiac killer. It's like the I, season
2: of bring or like solving old murders. It's right like the, the new fashion.
1: It's like the new trend. It's the new black.
2: And I'm about it. It's a good trend. You know, they caught the Golden State killer. Oh yeah. They caught someone else recently. I can't remember who. But I dig this trend.
1: Continue it on. Keep keep going. Agreed. Cool. But that's the Zodiac. Uh, I have another story. Ooh. Okay. In June 1898. Good year. That was a minute ago. A boy was born. This boy's name was John Mulholland.
3: Why does that sound familiar? You
1: heard of him? I bet you haven't heard of him.
3: I think it's the last name that sounds familiar, and it's probably from something
1: else. Mulholland Drive? Mahalo. 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 (laughs) Uh, John Mulholland. He grew up with a fascination in magic. Ooh. And throughout his life, was known as a great magician. He was a close personal friend of Harry Houdini. What? No he had multiple, multiple books on magic. I thought it was just like some
2: kid with like some cards. But he's like top tier. <laughs> he's top tier. He's the Chris Angel of 1989.
0: Yes. Or whatever. <laughs> yes. Uh, in World War
1: 1989 II. 1989 or 18? Okay. 1898. He died okay. in 1970. Whoa. At 71 years Spoiler, old. Spoiler, dude. Yeah. During World War II, he wrote a spell book for soldiers. What? This, uh, Order collect, right now. This collection of spell books is now owned by David Copperfield. Ooh. And him alone. The cop himself? Exactly. <laughs> so this dude's big. This dude's real big. He's your favorite magician's favorite magician. Exactly. Oh, oh shoot. He got so big that during the Cold War and MK Ultra, which is something I know you've wanted to talk about for a long time. I want to talk about in your last story, the Zodiac. <laughs> During the Cold War and MK Ultra, he was commissioned by the CIA to to study and publish a book on actual magic, with backed by scientific research and thousands and thousands of dollars. I'd wager millions. This book, probably, yeah. This book was classified and destroyed
4: what allegedly or or
1: so they thought until recently (laughs) until recently when it was rediscovered and brought to light and is now known as the official cia manual of trickery and deception
4: Ooh, I like that. that. Okay. Yeah. A little and, tricksy, huh? And you can
1: find it on Amazon, okay. dude. <laughs> yeah, we
4: got to go and it get it. Uh, it was published.
1: It was bought and then published. And now it's uh, been capitalized on. He's like, <laughs> place your
2: thumb on the fourth <laughs> finger of the other thumb and pull it away to reveal
1: it is disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's four chapters.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this led me down a, a wild goose chase rabbit in down a hole yeah rabbit hole rabbit chase dude <laughs> that's a good one uh of declassified cia documents relating to magic the supernatural ufos all of it and some of those documents i will be going over with you guys and with our patrons hey, oh what's up patrons so the cia manual of trickery and deception it's actually available
2: dope thanks Sean. Uh, uh uh
1: dj my name is dj i'm,
2: I'm trying to see <laughs> i ate here oh. <laughs> <You're dumb>. Thanks. <laughs> uh that was magical that Your was story. magical
1: <laughs> out of this world yeah
3: <laughs> that was pretty wild yeah all right, guys, I'm going to close this up tonight. And I have some pretty good stuff for you. I'd hope so. So, last week, I told you how I had the opportunity <gasps> to go to a rare bookstore. Invite only. So, I know someone who knows somebody who knows the owner. So, we got a private tour of this guy's pro- like rare bookstore.
1: This is the one Camille talked about.
3: This one is Moon's rare books. Is this not the one Camille talked about? I can't remember about? if she talked about it. Or was it in the Riverwoods? Yes. Then yes. Yes. So this is the same one. And which is w- weird that she comes and tells us about it. And, and then, then, then like a week minute, later. Yeah. yeah. It like there's all kinds of synchronicities here, dude. Even within my story and your stories right now, dude.
2: That's what I was thinking when he was talking about like the rare book. I, was
3: yeah. like, I bet it's in that place, bro. <laughs> um, so, like, even if you walk into the store, like, there's tons of stuff and it's like super rare books, and it's all just out there in front of the store. And then we go into the back of the store. Did he make you put your phone away? He, there were parts where we were allowed to have the phone out, and there were parts where we were not allowed to have the phone out. So, I might not be able to share some of these books on pod with you. Hmm. But you can share it with those outdoors. I can share it with hey. you. It. But, anyways. So um, we start off just kind of getting to know the guy. His name's Reed Moon, and uh, first of all, strong name. Yeah, I Reed. <laughs> so he basically grew up and had worked in a bookstore, and when people would like come in and request books, he would like write them down and find a way to get a hold of them. Hmm. And so he kind of started off this this hobby early, and eventually just gets into collecting rare books.
2: He's like goosebumps.
3: Say cheese and die. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, he's become like—I could be wrong here—but it sounded like the way he was telling his stories, like one of the most like well-known rare book people in the world. And he lives in Provo, Utah. It's
1: a curator. Yeah.
3: So he ju- he tells us this story of like he had just come back from the UK like a month ago where he had been there for several weeks just touring around the whole, like, area, stopping at bookstores, buying rare books, looking for what he calls golden eggs. Golden eggs are, like, those first editions. Those first editions with signatures or like, uh,
2: what do you call it? Dedications in the book. So stuff like that. Dude, his life is, like, on such a higher level than most humans. (laughs) Because, like, I feel like once you're in that stratosphere of, like, Business. He's probably talking to like world leaders or like the most powerful people in the world at some point.
1: You know what I mean? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because he's like the keeper of knowledge. Yeah, and nobody buys those things unless they have money. True.
2: Yeah, you're already dealing with high caliber. Yeah, or Saudi princes, and then he starts to show us
3: some of his books. Whoa! So he takes us in the back, and he's got these safes, dude, that are like ten feet high, five feet wide. Like, bolted into the ground. These are, like, gnarly. And the, he doesn't keep his best books here. Where are they? Keeps them at home. I don't know where he keeps them. He didn't say. Oh. But that's just to give you some perspective on the books I'm going to tell you that they aren't his best books. Jeez. I even asked him, I was like, what are your tep- like your favorite books? And he's like, I can't tell you. Oh.
2: And I was like, it's, it's for safety, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's for safety. I
3: asked him after that. I was like, are there any books that... You don't want people to know that you have? He's Bro. like, yes. I and bet I he like, has
2: like letters from Paul. I bet he has like William Shakespeare's original manuscripts. Yeah.
3: He does. <gasps> that was one of the things he showed us. That's not true. I'm 100%. Really? <laughs> let's hear, let's yeah. hear it. Tell us Okay, so started off with some, you know, he's starting out kind of down here. He starts off with some original like Jane Austen. Then he opens up like this safe and he pulls out a book and he says, while I was out on one of these book fairs. we were looking for golden eggs and my son who he brought with him finds this book and it is a book of magic and he's like i think you should take a look at this this one looks like a golden egg it's like no i've seen this it's just like one of the original like print it's no big deal and then he opens it up and harry houdini's (gasps) name is in the front of the book and it's Harry Houdini's original book of magic. Oh. And it was like this book's fair in like New York last year. Oh my. That's gosh. wild.
1: And this, these are the ones that he's showing us. That's crazy.
2: So these are his bottom tier ones <laughs> yeah. or mid tier. Does then, he have
1: a, But does he have Gilderoy Lockhart's book?
3: <laughs> signed. <laughs> yeah. So then he pulls out another book and he's like, this book I just recently got within the last month or so. And it is a book that's a first edition, and it inspired authors like Stephen King. And he pulls it out, and it's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh. Dude, and did you send me? I went and downloaded it on Audible right after because I was like, I want to read it. So he's like. I started it, by the way. Yeah, I haven't started it yet, but I'm stoked. So then, trying to flex a little bit, because, and he can do anything he wants because he has so much in there. He's like, okay, pick any place. Person or event in history. That's the, big flags. The Library of Alexandria. <laughs> Somebody says Salem witch trials. And nonchalant, he points over to a table and he says, You see that book? There's just There's a witch lying there. Thick book. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thick book on the table, and he says, You know what that is? I'm like, obviously we don't. And he's like, that he says, That's malice maleficarum. One of the original copies, and it was one of the books that led to the Salem Witch Trials. And this book is all about how to torture and get confessions out of witches. Ooh. It's sometimes called The Hammer of Witches. Ooh. And he has this lying on a table. They're not even in
1: his safe.
3: I'm like, what the <laughs> f*** is going
1: on? That's wild. 21 yeah. questions, but one question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you witch? Yeah. No, just like him like asking people like, Give me name, name, place, Dude, yeah, that was a, that event. was one of the
3: biggest flexes he had. I was like, damn, he's going to connect any book to any person, place, or event in history right now. Yeah. Then he opens another safe, and he shows us a ton. Wait, of
1: are these like safes that you walk into? No. like be, not, They're like oh, guns they regular. Yeah, yeah.
3: So he opens another safe, and it has a ton of artifacts in it, which I can't tell you on pod. I will tell you after, because this is when he told us to put our phones away.
2: Tell me with oh. your eyes.
4: Oh, shit. <laughs> oh. It's the
3: crystal skull. Oh, my god! <laughs> so I'll tell you off, off pod when, whenever we get to that. So we're just kind of like marveling at all these books that he has on the wall as well.
2: Could you? Was there like a feeling in this shop?
3: I'll tell you. I'll tell reference? you in a second, dude. Like, there is. <sighs> I'm so okay. excited. Okay. So we're like standing there. Like, he's talking about different books he has. He pulls out some original like lord of the rings oh! <laughs> that were signed by, <laughs> by bilbo himself <laughs> signed by jrr tolkien oh. and it was apparently somebody who knew <laughs> tolkien so he was allowed to ask 10 questions and had a paper tucked in the like pages of the book where he had written the questions down and the answers that he got from tolkien
2: was it like specific to like Lord of the Rings? Like,
3: specific to Lord Shut of the Rings. Shut up, dude. And he wouldn't read them to us. He said, I'll pick a number between one and ten, and I'll tell you what that question dude, is. Dude, this guy a tease. <laughs> <If> he <laughs> likes it. He, he likes does. teasing, yeah. bro. It was good, yeah. too.
2: I want to meet old Reedy. Read? <laughs> Reed Reed, and he reads books? Oh, my gosh. It's oh, like my crazy. gosh, bro. <laughs> Stop talking.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're all just in amazement at like everything he's showing us. And then he's like. No one ever asked me about serial killers. <laughs> and we we're like, why would we, we? There's so much going on here. That's Excuse not, me, the, sir. Like, what?
2: what do you know about serial killers?
3: <laughs> so there is a feeling in this room at this specific time. I know I'm standing by one of the bookshelves. Sounds like
2: an erection. And sorry, <laughs> I get a headache.
3: You and get a headache. I have a headache at this specific time. Right before he asks. Weird. And then as he asks, he like tells me to move, and right behind where I was standing, he opens this door and then pulls out this big, like it looks like a bookcase, and on the top of it it says helter skelter. Whoa. And I am geeking out now. Nobody else in the room even knows what this is. And I'm like, You no one knows what this is? And then he's like, because. You know, he's a tease. And like, if if someone like bites onto it, he's going to go for it. And I'm like, no way. You have, what is, and he's like, do you know what this is? I was like, does anyone else not know what this is? And everyone's like, no, we don't know what this is. And I was like, this is, is this Charles Manson? And he's like, and he opens it. And right inside, he says, these are the contents of what was in Charles Manson's prison cell until the day he died.
4: Oh, whoa.
3: And so he opens it and there's this holy Bible and then tucked in the pages are like writings that he's basically copied off of allegedly the book of the dead. Cause he was into that. Hmm. And then he opens this side pocket and there's tons of like papers and pictures and all of this stuff. And he pulls out like this like group of papers that are folded into thirds, like a letter. And he said, this is essentially a love letter that was written from squeaky to Charles Manson. Whoa. Whoa. And Squeaky was, like, one of his top people.
2: And so he's just, like, flexing so hard right now. Side note, a lot of my homie's dads worked at Corcoran, which is a prison in Central California, where Charles Charles Manson Manson. stayed until the day he died. And they said, like, every three weeks or something, they had to switch guards because he would, like, mentally infiltrate the guards. That's so wild. He would either, like, drive them crazy or they would start doing him favors without them realizing it. Yeah. So... Now this is and also Charles Manson super connected to MK Ultra. Oh yeah, really, dude. A book. Okay, this is a side note. Sorry. You know, go for. it. I was it. gonna say,
1: I feel like if he is able to do that, he has some He's type trained. of experience, be- like with magic. One with thousand percent. Yeah. So,
2: uh, <laughs> real quick, this guy starts writing an article. He's getting paid by uh, uh, a magazine, and they're like, "Yo, write us an article about something random in LA," and he starts investigating it. And he goes down this rabbit hole of Charles Manson in the CIA for 18 years. And after like two years, the the magazine's like, dude, we're not going to pay you. Like, screw you. Go screw yourself. But at this point, he's in so deep. He keeps researching, keeps researching. 18 years, he researches everything about Charles Manson and all his connections with the CIA. Recently just put a book out called Chaos. Published it. Rogan had him on. And he breaks down, like, everything in Manson's life. Like, so many different things. Like, the guy who ran MK Ultra was this crazy scientist who, like, worked at schools who interacted with the Unabomber.
3: Oh, yeah. That's right. And, and his, Remind me of the Unabomber. The
2: Unabomber is a kid who was, like, a genius who grew up, like, as a farmer. Went to this really prestigious school on the East Coast. Was given LSD by the guy in the government who ran MKUltra where for two years he mentally broke him down and would attack and destroy any ideas he had. They would like debate and he would like he would try to obliterate him to nothing and basically like shatter his brain. Yeah. Then this kid runs away goes to the the mountains starts writing a manifesto this long ass manifesto basically saying technology is going to take over and ruin our country. And he names all this stuff, which creepily is coming true. And then he makes a ton of pipe bombs and, and mails, like mails them from people, Utah yeah. to all these different like uh, people in technology. And they start he starts just killing everyone around. Yeah. Eventually got caught. He was super scruffy, was crazy guy. Anyway, MK Ultra, so big. Charles Manson, super connected to the MK Ultra. Every time yeah. he got every time he got um arrested, he would basically just laugh at the cops and be like, I'm gonna be out of here in an hour you're going to be getting a call from someone and you're going to be letting me out of the cell. And in like two hours they'd get a call and they'd be like, here, you can go. And he he would just like, he would walk out of every cell because he had a freaking insight on the CIA. Yeah. They were using him. They basically taught him how to mind control and you do it with like drugs, separation, sleep deprivation, fear, stuff like that. Yeah. So he was like a master manipulator. Yeah. Long side danger. <laughs> Sorry. But anyways, like
3: all the stuff that he's showing us, including like this whole box of stuff, is where I get this feeling that he's super connected with like people and like information and stuff like that. Just because of all the stuff he's like thrown at us and he's not even showing us his best stuff. Bro, will he? Come on, Pod. No, he won't. But anyways, at this point he tells us a story. And he was like he was at a book fair. In Europe, and he's wandering around looking looking for golden eggs, these original prints, stuff with signatures, stuff with dedication, stuff like that, and he's standing in one of the shops, and he gets this dark, evil, dizzying feeling. He's not sure what's going on, but decides to step out of the bookshop, and it goes away. He wanders around the rest of the day, doesn't think much of it, goes back the next day, and he sees somebody who knows him. And the guy who knows him, he's like, I have something special for you. He takes him back to that same bookshop, to the same place where he was standing, and as he enters into the shop, he gets this dark feeling that comes back again. And he like moves behind some books, pulls out this book, and he's like, I got this for you. And he said that it was one of the most evil books ever written and that he wouldn't tell us what it was because he didn't want us to look it up. And I guarantee everybody else who went did not look it up. But
2: I did. He didn't tell you what book it was because he didn't want you to look it up. Yes. So how did you look it up? I looked up. A lot
1: of stuff in the last week. It started with the most evil, evil book, <laughs> <laughs> And it went from there. And what did you find? But really, it started with that search. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So
2: should we, like, caution? Should we put this out there? Yeah. Okay, if you're not into this, fast forward
3: a little bit. If you're... If you're not into this, then yeah, fast forward a bit. I still haven't been cursed, and I've been looking at it for the last week and a half. So... Holy shit, DJ, you live with them. (laughs) You haven't had anything creepy happen to you in the last week and a half, have you?
2: All right, lay it on us. Okay. At first, I was like, oh, for something like. Okay. That was
1: my first thought.
3: Cut this. If he has that and is okay telling us, he's not telling us his top 10. And he's not telling us this book that he didn't buy.
2: What if he has works of Gideon? Dude, it's,
1: it's gotta be something like that. Oh, because he has like a bunch of church documents too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, he
3: does. He has like the personal like scriptures of
2: every
1: prophet. So He doesn't give this tour to anybody. I don't know. I don't
3: know. I, just I, want, I would tour. love to I go. I would love to go.
2: Uh do a clean back in.
3: So of course, I obsess over what book this is <laughs> and look up everything. I even watched a horror movie that was called The Ninth Gate. Oh it's about a book collector. And Dude, you went deep, dog. Bro, and this movie was trash, bro. <laughs> it was one of the worst acted movies I've seen. You in gotta a while. wade through the the trash to get to, to get to the gold, to the treasure. But it had Johnny Depp in it, so I was confused. Hmm, it was early Johnny Depp. Huh. But anyways, I came across a list of several of the darkest, most evil books ever written, and I've narrowed it down to a couple that I feel like it could be. Bro,
2: this topic is
1: wild. This is fun. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah.
2: The first book is called The Codex Gigas. I've, I've come... Wait. That's... do they talk about that in uh, Black Tapes. Yeah, they
3: do. But it's an actual book. So it wasn't one that would, they made up for the Black Tapes because that's kind of fictional. Black well.
2: Tapes is like a series podcast that's like a fictional story.
3: Yeah. Super creepy. So The Codex Gigas was written in the 13th century, and there's a legend about how it was written. Allegedly, there was a monk that had broken his vows and was sentenced to death, and his sentence was he was to be starved to death by being walled up and like bricked into a room.
2: Yes, there's like a painting or a drawing of this. So as he's being walled up and
3: as they're finishing up the last bits in the wall, he begs for his life. And he says he'll do anything. The abbot is amused by the offer of the monk, and so he gives him an impossible task. He says, if you can write a book with the entirety of human knowledge in it, I will let you go free. And so he gives him the script through the, through the little hole in this wall, and the monk agrees. He starts writing in, like immediately, as much as he can come up with, And halfway through the night, he realizes the time frame the abbot has given him is one night, and it's impossible. There's nothing he can do, except in that moment, he realizes he can't do it alone. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. He offers to sell his soul to the devil. And I don't know how one goes about doing this, and I don't want to know, but somehow the devil shows
2: up. I'm working on a story right now that's going to tell us. Oh, Frank,
3: dude. The devil shows up. And in exchange for his soul, the devil gives him the Codex Gigas written by the devil. And the Codex has actually become known as the Devil's Bible, partially because of a giant depiction of the devil that's within this book. This book is 165 pounds. It's like three feet tall, two feet wide, nine inches thick. And it's, I have pictures of it actually.
2: I I don't, I don't know if this is the one because didn't you say he pulled it off a
1: shelf? Yeah. So he's like,
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah.
3: Here we go. That's the book. It's
1: a big boy. It's a
3: big boy. It's the size of a man. (laughs) Literally. So this allegedly was written in one night by the devil and like there's some some other strange things about this book like after it's been studied whoever it is that studies these things determined that it was indeed written by one person based on the writing additionally they determined that it would have taken a normal person 20 to 30 years d- at that time to write because of the length of the book and just what they had for the time period. You were literally writing nonstop day and night for 30 years. And one thing they noted that was extremely strange was that the quality of writing did not get better or worse the entirety of the book, which they think is weird because since it was written by one person, they would have assumed that it would have started out worse, got better towards the middle as they got better at writing, and got worse as they got older. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case. And actually, I want to show you this other picture, which has the picture of the devil within the book. Crazy.
2: Interessante.
3: Allegedly, there's also a curse surrounding this book, which is the owner of said book is going to come across misfortune, even death. And I have a whole list of things that we could go in there. But I really only told this one because I thought the legend was fun. I don't know if that's really the book that was found. There are a couple of other ones I think are more likely. Oh, my gosh. Number one is the Grand Grimoire, which is this manual basically instructs readers on how to summon a demon and make a pack with it, forcing it to do as you command. And as Supposedly Based on the writings of the biblical, biblical King Solomon And it is still actively used By practitioners of Haitian voodoo Now This book still exists like in wide print I'm assuming This is one of the originals
1: I've Thumbed through the grand Grimoire Fuh. Looking for artwork To use for
4: our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah put it on a (laughs) tee it
1: was one of the few times doing research for the podcast that during my research i felt really uh far removed from (laughs) any type of light source
2: it's like most of the time it's like oh this is fun this is fun this is fun and then all of a sudden it's like i was like oh
1: shit oh shit (laughs) i need to plug my nose slipping
2: it felt (laughs) like but i'm going into deep waters (laughs) uh i had for the longest time bookmarked like several books that i wanted to order for the studio
3: that was not one of them
2: no but one of them is like the great book of the occult that was like compiled in the 70s and dude it's like it has like references to all this stuff yeah
1: in fact the there's there's a post that we have on our instagram that led from that research that string of research that i did from the grand grimoire it's like a book called like daimonologia something like that do you remember that oh. i posted it maybe like two years ago it's kind of old but yeah just I, I had like an interest in like occult books yeah <laughs> for a time well
2: because it's it's crazy it's like not it literally is like magic i don't know there's yeah. so much yeah. to it
3: yeah and it's really interesting to like just deep dive into stuff like this
2: 100 i am loving this
3: one of the other possibilities an original of the Satanic Bible by Antoine Uh
2: As DJ was telling the... Dude, look. As DJ was telling the bonus story for today's episode, I was looking something up because of something he said. And it's a whole page on Anto- Antoine LeVay. He's well, still around, huh? I don't know. No, I don't think or so. Is he-, he was 70s. Yeah, yeah. But he was... Yeah, he made the... He was like the head of
3: the satanic church. But I could definitely see like an original of that. Now, this is the one I think is most likely. The mysterious book of Soiga, which Queen Elizabeth's advisor, John D., oh. a mathematician and astronomer, was obsessed with the occult. Gosh, damn it. He had this book at one point. And there are two known original copies. And w- allegedly, they both went missing. One has resurfaced recently, as recent as 1994. It showed up in the Grand British Library with a different title. It was cu- it was renamed The Alidaria, The Book That Kills, something along those lines. Now... At this point, like people are still trying to figure out the mysteries that are in this book. What's it called again? The Mysterious Book of Soiga.
2: These are the words of John Dee. F- I've done deep research on this. Bro, that's wild. That's wild. Do you know that he was the original 007? Was he? John D was, like, hired by Queen Elizabeth as, like, a secret agent. And his codename was 007. That's wild. And he created... Oh, man, it's been a while since my research. The Nokian magic, I believe. And, like, the Nokian alphabet. Bro, he is, like... There's, like, several figures in magic and the occult that are, like, monumental. John D is definitely, like, at the top of a lot of it. Yeah. And then there's, like, John D, and then it goes down to... Alistair Crowley, who yeah. used most of the teachings of John D and kind of expanded on them. Yeah. Yeah. And then Anton LaVey, but John D is like original. Mm, yeah. The OG. But basically, this book,
3: this contains a ton of weird stuff. Like it starts off, you know, mellow with allegedly the genealogies of angels. And which we were mellow. We Mello. were kind of,
2: we were talking about like in the last episode. I'm not going to name names because we already went there, but. Those are fallen angels. Yeah. And there's a lot of like history of bloodlines and stuff like that.
3: And then allegedly he tried to contact angels using this book because the most mysterious part of this book is the final, I think, 36 pages or something like that in the book, consist of an indecipherable string of letters. And trying to decipher these, he contacts an angel named Uriel. Yep. And allegedly this conversation that happened between Uriel and John Dee is that no angel could decipher it except for Michael, the archangel. Hmm. And he didn't contact Michael, so I'm assuming he was only trying to contact fallen angels. But those books went missing. Like I said, one resurfaced in 1994 in the British Library. Maybe this other one resurfaced in a fair in the UK or Europe, wherever Reed Moon was at. Soiga. But anyways, that has been the depth of my research to this point. And I still don't know what the answer is to what book this was. I probably will never know. And I'll also never know the top 10 books that were in his collection that he wouldn't tell us.
1: That's insane. Like all the
3: hitters he has that he wasn't saying about. That's insane, and I was I was eating it up the whole time, bro. I was in freaking heaven going through this rare bookstore. I'm I feel eating like that it is up your now, jam, dude. I was maps so and up. old books like that. Sean's stuff right there, dude. Artifacts, everything, bro. <laughs> it was so wild, and I was like, I want to touch it. I want to touch it. I can't <laughs> ask to just touch it. Um, but anyways, it was it was super dope. Like if you have a chance, even just the front of this store is dope to go and check out. Does he want us to put it out there? or Should we keep it low key? Well, he has a business. He does have a business, and he sells some of these rare books too. But I don't know, like, what I can tell as far as like other stuff that I saw. So I'm not going
2: to on pod. Okay, yeah. Respect the man.
1: Fascinating, dude. I, I dude, I had
2: thirty tabs of John D. open at one point, and I was like, I want to cover this all. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Bro,
3: I think we could, dude. Well, it's you can. I'm not trying to. go I, I hit deep the main than I am just now,
2: dude. The story I was going to share tonight has elements from your story and your story in it bro almost like i should have shared it (laughs) almost like you should have dude but we'll have to do it next time sean that was dope i loved that that was fire dude it
3: has been fun like since i walked into that bookstore just looking at everything i've been so just eating it up bro cool dude you can feel it
2: yeah (laughs) it came through
3: but anyways that is me for tonight miranda any questions on anything tonight
1: any thoughts
5: no good all right
1: <laughs> this has been the 3 a.m scary stories podcast episode 109? 109 109 yeah. thank you for for tuning in uh hope you're having a good spooky season we love all of you uh keep saying what's up to us in the dms keep sending us stories keep telling your friends and uh stay safe during this month so be smart take care of each other before you close we're growing
2: a ton. So, for all of our day oneers, thank you so much. For everyone who's sharing, thank you so much. Last time we talked about growth, we've almost doubled <laughs> since that time.
3: Damn, bro. And
2: we've gone from 20 to 35K. Damn. Which is like, that's almost double. Shot. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Like, seriously, it's fun. We're getting multiple stories every day multiple multiple follows every day it's way fun it's cool and it's only because you guys so thank you so much shout
3: out to all of you
2: but what were you saying take to be safe this season no that's it be careful with your intentions bro don't be (laughs) playing no games yeah shit is real out there son (laughs) watch your back protect your neck and be careful out there bye love you be safe bye don't go read the soiga or the gigas bye
3: submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
5: Do not go any further. Turn around.
0: Go home. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy,